Holy Gospel according to St. Mark chapter 8. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wants to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save the life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So as I was telling the kids, names are important. Names are powerful. Uh, names describe who we are. Throughout our lives, we are called many different names. For a while in my life, I was given names in, in, in grade school and high school, and then now most of the time, I'm, I'm Logan and Addison's father is my name. But in, in school, we, we have more formal names. We call our teachers Mr. or Mrs. or Professor. We go to the hospitals, we use, um, we dress our care providers as doctor or nurse. Our names can be very intimate as well as we are given nicknames by our, our parents or, or our others in our family or our loved ones or our friends. So if we take the names from our more formal names to our more intimate names, we may really find the name of who we truly are. To a large extent, we are our names. And from the very beginning of time, names have meaning. When God created the world, he started to name things as they were made. If it wasn't named, it seemed it wasn't fully complete. And over and over again in Scripture, God says that names are important. My absolute favorite Bible passage is in Isaiah where, where it says, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. Knowing that God loves us and cares for us so much that God knows each of our names, and we are claimed by that name is such an amazing thing. Names have a very deep impact on our lives. When I was growing up, I had a friend, his name was Tom. And, but nobody really ever called him by his name. We all always called him Jiffy. It might have had something to do with his love for peanut butter or something like that. I, but year after year, he was called Jiffy. And, and he was started to take on a new identity by using that name. He was no longer a name, but he was a character. And he started to act a certain way. And, and one one weekend when, when our youth group went away, Jiffy came along and he said to the group, he said, you know, I want to start using my name again. 
He started to become a different person. Maybe he was getting more mature. Maybe it was because of a girl. We don't really know. But from that time on, we started calling him Tom again. And he changed. He was more confident. He was more in tune with himself and who God created him to be. Throughout our lives, we have different names. Our names change, and we see this idea of changing names in the Bible. The Bible, there's a radical change in a person when they are given a new name, a new identity. When, when Jacob becomes Israel, or when Saul becomes Paul. And today, Abraham and Sari become Abraham and Sarah. These are the names by which these two, the mother and father of all nations, of, of all kings, will be known for, for all time. These names redefine their identities. They are given a new calling. These names stick and will never be lost. It is their names, their identity as Abraham and Sarah who are righteous before God. Their true identities are given to them by God. And as God did for Abraham and Sarah, God names each of us too for who we truly are. God gives Abram the name Abraham, which means ancestor or father of all nations. And like the covenant given to Noah, we heard about that last week, God's covenant with Abraham is everlasting. It is for all time. All who are born to Abraham's name will be God's own. The, the numerous nations will come from Abraham's line, will belong to God, and God will belong to them. Sari's name is also changed to Sarah, which means princess. A name indicating perhaps the line of kings that will be descended from her and Abraham. God also names the promise given to Abraham and Sarah. As they will conceive a child even in their old age. Also, like the covenant given to Noah, God's covenant with Abraham is an unconditional covenant. There's nothing that Abraham has to do in order to fulfill this covenant. It's a promise from God to Abraham and Sarah to us. Not only is this covenant passed down, but it is the model of faith that is passed down as well. Faith is defined for Abraham by his relationship to God in the promise that God has given to him. Faith is believing in God's ability to keep a promise. God promises Abraham that he and Sarah will have a child. And that promise came true. There is no logical reason that they should believe this, this crazy promise from God. They tried for years to have a child and they were unsuccessful. Now here they are in their old age, promised to have a child, and they did. And Paul expands upon this in our text from Romans. Abraham, Paul says, grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Faith for Abraham was living in the light of God's promises. No matter what the outward circumstances were, Abraham trusted the larger picture God had given and the promise of nations yet to come. 
a few years ago I was teaching a first communion class and we were talking about how it felt to be part of a church community. All the kids said that they really enjoyed coming to the church and the activities that we were doing in the church. They said that coming to church they were able to feel like being themselves, who they truly were. And they loved to, to have the, the support and the care from the other people in the church. Then I started, we started talking about faith. And we said, what does faith mean to you? And, and we talked about that a little bit. And I said, well, do you have any questions about your faith? And one of the kids said, how do we know that God is talking to us? Is it like a voice in our head? And I thought about that for a minute. We, we talked about that for a little bit. But how do we know that God is talking to us? How do we know that God is there listening to us when we pray? How do we know that God is going to keep God's promises to us? The ones that he made in our baptism. The ones that he made when he gave us the, the, the bread and the wine, the body and blood. The ones that he made from the cross. How do we know that those things are going to come into fruition? All these promises that, that God is going to love us and protect us. God is going to hear our prayers and answer our prayers. How do we know if that's going to happen? Well, if you want a concrete answer, if you want me to be able to give you um, some sort of answer or promise or guarantee, I don't know if I can do that. The truth is we don't know. All we have are the promises of God. The promises of salvation, the promise of eternal life, the promise that, that when we come here to worship together, when we gather together as a community of faith, we are here to love and support one another and hear the promises being fulfilled in each other's lives. We worship a God of promise. And we have seen that promise carry out. God's promises do live out in the words of Scripture over time down to us. Our church does not look like it did, you know, five years ago or ten years ago, fifty years ago or a hundred years ago. Because our church was not built on the foundations of this world. Our church is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. As Christians, we are marked with God's own promise in our baptism. This is where it starts. Baptism is a physical sign of our true identities, our true names. Our names are stated in our baptism and are written in the book of eternity that lives with God. God knows who we truly are and frees and calls us to live in the name that God has given us. To know what our true name is as it was for Abraham and Sarah. And what we can do is we hear God speaking to us through prayer, through song, through scripture reading. And we can reorient our lives to hear the name that God is calling to us and to live that out. Just as God's naming Abraham and Sarah was a calling, a fulfillment of a promise, that is given to us as well. A promise of grace, love, and the forgiveness of our sins. A promise given in the form of a covenant, in the form of a rainbow, in the form of a promised child to Abraham and Sarah, in the, in the form of Jesus coming to live with us, to be with us, 
and to die on the cross for us. And the promise that there is nothing that we have to do in order to earn that love because that is given freely by God to us. Amen.